Chapter Eleven of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Asia by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Commercial and Industrial Japan. Riding through tea gardens, mulberry orchards, and countless patches of cotton and rice, we come at last to Kyoto, the old capital of Japan. It is a beautiful city not far from Lake Biwa and within an hour's ride of osaka the chicago of japan the region about kyoto and osaka is one of the busy parts of the world there are factories of all kinds scattered over the country including villages devoted to the making of porcelain cotton and silk goods kyoto is famous for its silks and its people have long woven the most beautiful fabrics on the rudest of looms they now have also the finest of modern silk mills run by electricity supplied by the falls of lake biwa osaka has many large cotton mills and there are others employing thousands of hands at the seaport of kobe which by train is only a half an hour away we visit the mills and find many children at work little ones not as old as ourselves are tending the looms laboring all day for less than one cent an hour they are bright-eyed and healthy they look up and smile at us as we pass in other places we go into the factories where straw braid is made the children sitting on the floor and plaiting the straw into the shapes for which it is used for bonnets and hats we go through mills where are made the japanese rugs of jute and cotton to be shipped to america and in kobe visit a great ironworks and shipyards where enormous steamers are built there are other fine shipbuilding yards at nagasaki and at wakamatsu is a government foundry making all sorts of iron and steel we are surprised at the skill of these people they do almost everything well and export goods of every description to all the world's markets the wages are much lower than ours the people live simply and it is said that they could easily thrive upon what we of the united states waste in the past everything was done by hand but now they are introducing our labor-saving inventions and are making more and more goods every year nevertheless much of the manufactures are still produced in small shops there are whole villages composed of little establishments devoted to the making of porcelain such as is shipped to america in these places the clay is modeled by hand and the men and women sit on the floor and paint the beautiful and curious designs found on japanese china in other establishments we see boys carving rats monkeys and other figures out of ivory tusks we visit shops where japanese lanterns are made and some in which men and boys are turning out umbrellas and fans there are also carpenter shops cooper shops and woodworkers of every description as we stay a while at each place we notice that the japanese laborer has what is equal to four hands and twenty fingers he is usually barefooted and he works so much with his feet that they serve as two extra hands he can hold all sorts of articles steady by pressing them between the soles of the feet as for instance the cobbler who thus makes wooden shoes his toes are equal to ten extra fingers and he can pick up a peg or pin with his toes we also observe that some japanese methods of work seem to be the direct opposites of ours there is a carpenter planing a board he pulls the plane toward him instead of pushing it from him as our carpenters do 
and when he uses the drawing knife he pushes instead of pulling as would seem to us to be the natural way the american begins his house with a foundation the japanese builder makes the roof first he puts it together in pieces upon a scaffolding of poles and then fills in the framework beneath the logs are often brought to the building and the boards sawed out by hand as they are needed in the older lumber yards of japan the sawmill is an almond-eyed bare-legged man who stands on top of a log or beneath it and pulls or pushes his saw until he has cut the log into boards we spend some time in osaka the commercial capital of the western part of the empire it is as large as philadelphia and has many manufacturing villages in its suburbs it has cotton and silk mills and factories for making matting and rugs it has many great wholesale establishments and also exporting houses which ship goods to all parts of the world during our stay here we learn much about japan's foreign trade we are told that the commerce of the empire now amounts to about five hundred million dollars a year and that it includes many articles which are shipped not only to china and other parts of asia but also to the various countries of europe and the united states as we go through the factories the men often tell us that they are working on goods intended for us and we learn that the united states is japan's best customer and that it sells us millions of dollars worth of goods every year is it not strange to think that many of the japanese children and grown-ups are all the time working to supply some of our wants and that at the same time we are making things which are sent back to them in exchange we buy of japan much more than she buys of us and her trade with us is increasing a great deal of the tea we drink comes from japanese bushes and much of the silk goods made in our mills is from cocoons reared in japan many of our houses are furnished with japanese rugs and our most beautiful mattings come from japan on the other hand we are shipping to japan many different kinds of machinery we are sending her leather iron goods and kerosene while much of the raw cotton used in her mills is raised in our southern states there is one export in which japan surpasses all other countries this is camphor a drug of which we buy many tons every year there are camphor groves scattered throughout the central islands and great forests of camphor trees in formosa in the village of tosa in western japan is a group of thirteen trees over one hundred years old which it is believed will produce about forty thousand pounds of crude camphor the camphor tree is an evergreen of the laurel family its trunk is somewhat like that of an oak it grows to be fifteen feet in diameter raising twenty or thirty feet from the ground before the branches begin some trees are several hundred years old in the production of camphor the trees are cut down and chopped up into chips and the chips are then boiled until the sap and oil in them rise up in a steam this is conducted through pipes kept cool by cold water running over them as the steam strikes the cold pipes it condenses and forms a deposit of oil and camphor from which the oil being pressed out comes the camphor of commerce from osaka a half hour by rail takes us to kobe the chief seaport of central japan it lies at the entrance of the famed inland sea through which we pass on our way to korea we travel in a japanese steamer floating among mountainous islands 
the hills of which are terraced so that they look like green steps rising from the water there are many black-roofed villages dotting the shores we pass through narrow channels moving in and out through japanese craft and at last find ourselves at anchor in the mountain-locked harbor of nagasaki the westernmost port of kyushu here we take coal hundreds of half-naked little japanese women passing it in small baskets from one to another from a barge on one side of the steamer until it is at last stored in the hold our ship is called the tokyo maru it is lighted by electricity and heated by steam and is almost as comfortable as that in which we cross the pacific the sailors and officers are japanese and we have many fellow japanese passengers on board we are almost as sorry as they at leaving japan and as our ship steams out into the ocean we look longingly back and with them cry out sayonara the japanese word meaning farewell End of chapter 11